Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. I want to say thank you to all our fans and friends who've reached out to us over the past few weeks to give us input on our episodes. I'm going to read a few texts from a friend of ours named Mike V. And I just want to go through some of his, uh, what would we call that? Criticisms? Yeah, or Const- constructive, constructive criticism. Criticisms. But it's not really constructive because it's, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's coming from a place of love. I think it is. I think this love language is constructive criticism. Here's an example. Look, I don't want to be that guy, especially after having to clarify what an opera is on the meatloaf episode, but those aren't synth strings on Call Me Maybe. They're samples. As I said to Frank, if you're going to get super famous from a podcast about music, you might want to learn the difference between a synth and a sample. I would like to I'd like to say that are samples not played off of a synth sometimes? Can it not be programmed in? I mean also, I would like to make a point yeah. that here on Bill and Frank's Guilt Free Pleasures, we are bereft of knowledge when it comes to musical instruments, musical theory, or anything like that. We just feel what we feel. We don't get bogged down in the technicality of everything. That uh, it kind of Loses its point, I think. Yeah. Text number two. Now what I got to say, again, the keyboard breakdown in Andy Kim's Rock Me Gently was not a synth. It was a Honer clavinet that was played by the Beastie Boys in Hello Nasty and also by Stevie Wonder. I don't have a response to that. I just... if. If, if if that's the criticism of of our of our episodes, then you know we'll we'll let him have that. If he wants to if he wants to feel like a big man, then you know, Mike, you're a big man. Oh no, you know what? We are gonna let him have it because today, today, I'm bringing the ultimate synthesizer song. So a subtitle for this episode, which I haven't decided yet. Originally, it was going <laughs> to be Christmas Joy covers a multitude of synths which I thought was pretty clever. That's, yeah, that's not bad. All right, how's this one for you, Frank? Synthy Irresistible. That's, that's great. I just, I'm just worried that people are thinking it's uh, the Robert Palmer song. Right. Does they play a synth in that song? I don't know, but Simply Irresistible is, you know. All right. Okay, fine. Welcome to Bill and Frank's Guilt-Free Pleasures. And welcome to Synth Town. You want synths? You got synths. Yeah, and uh, the great thing about this song is that once you hear that synth right off the hop, you go and you change the radio station because this is a terrible, terrible song. This is a bit of an experimental episode. Frank and I are coming in here at, is it loggerheads? Is that the word? Loggerheads, uh, we completely disagree on on this song. This might be an on-air fight, and this might be the end of the podcast. Yeah, it's Uh, been a good run. Well... Yeah, it's, it's been a run. Ooh, well, I think we're already <laughs> done. <laughs> All right, I have brought to the table one of my favorite Christmas songs. On this table is also one of my least favorite Christmas songs. We are doing today a song by probably one of the most accomplished songwriters in history. And it's not Michael Bolton, so... That's fine. He was a member of a little band called The Beatles. And it's not the one that says, you just want to want war to be over, and then it will be over. We're not doing that song. We're doing the other song. The 
opposite song. Yeah, this would be the antithesis to John Lennon's War is Over. Paul McCartney's simply having a wonderful Christmas time. It's just wonderful Christmas time, but you know what it is. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I like that we haven't even released this episode, but I've heard all of our listeners drone, just sort of like, Ugh. this is a universally hated song, I think. Well, you know, um, nothing's worth having without some kind of fight. I'm fighting the monster here. I'm, I'm running uphill. I'm. Uh, this is the hill you're going to die on here? I will survive. <laughs> so the uh, author, Robert Rodriguez, who's a kind of a Beatles biographer so not the director not the director no so there's no violence in this one okay he said love it or hate it few songs within the mccartney oeuvre oeuvre Uh, is that oeuvre i don't know here on bill and frank's guilt-free pleasures we mispronounce words all the time yeah Uh, let me try that in in bill and frank's guilt-free pleasure language love it or hate it few songs within mccartney's catalog of songs that he's written (laughs) have provoked such strong reactions yeah uh, hate is a very strong reaction and that that's the one that i i have for this song the only redeeming quality of this song is at the 346 mark when it's over wow okay well let me uh well, we got to start somewhere to win you over. Let's start with uh, I did a little straw poll in my class today. Okay. And of the how many, how many kids actually knew this song? Uh, they all seem to know it. So it was a class of 22, 23 today. Mm-hmm. I played it, asked if they knew it, said yes. Some even actually could tell me who sang it. Mm-hmm. And then I asked the class if they liked it, thumbs up or thumbs down. It's a class of 22. Yeah. The score was four to three. <laughs> So clearly, uh, this is pretty much a basic day in a math class for yeah. me. I was going to say, this is a math class, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> Four against, three in favor. And then I picked one student. I said, hey, I didn't see your thumb. And she, she put it up. And I said, great, four to four. Yeah. But I have a feeling probably there is some bias in there and possibly a bit of fear. Well, there's probably the three or the four people that gave it a thumbs up are also looking to get a better mark in the class no they are stronger math students oh okay uh so well um we know you are let's go with you thumbs up or thumbs down oh this is a very big thumbs down okay well we'll go so far as to say two thumbs down wow okay well we'll come back to that in a moment well let's first start with some song history see if we can kind of get you there frank is the song history paul saying oh i'm gonna write the worst song in uh, christmas history That's my Paul McCartney impersonation, which I think is spot on. I think it's comparable with his imitation of what an American accent sounds like, (laughs) which might be one of the worst versions of an American accent to me. It's it just when when he tries to do it, it just sounds like an English person trying to do it. But I I always thought it was an easier accent to do. Yeah, our accent, which is kind of American, but apparently it's uh, not. Well, I'm I'm just uh, I'm just 
I mean, I'm going off on a quick tangent here because the less I talk about the song, the better I, I, I feel. But who do you think would have the uh, the better accent? Paul McCartney's American or North American accent or Dick Van Dyke's English accent from Mary Poppins? Ooh, wow, that's a good call. If Dick Van Dyke was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, then we'd have something going on. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Kevin Costner's accent was accurate. <laughs> So, 1979, this song comes out. Did you know it was 1979? Yes, I did did incredibly little research on this, but I did did know that, yep. These were during the sessions for the McCartney 2 album. Yep. And so, and the McCartney 2 album, he played all the instruments. And he played that terrible synth in this song, this one? Uh, well, I'm not sure what the terrible synth is you're referring to, but the glorious synths that he played were definitely in there. So this is him doing his one-man show, released in 79 around, I think, mid-November, and it peaked at number six on the UK charts, maybe 20 or something like that on the billboard. Wasn't anything too crazy, but it's had this enduring staying power for 40, what are we now? We've got to be, no, 50. Wait, how old? Yeah, that's yeah. How old are we? Four. So it's been forty-two years. This yeah. is still going strong. So, and and I'm gonna again with some of the limited research that I've done. This this also makes me hate this song even more. Yeah. This song annually nets him four hundred thousand dollars. Yes, it does. And that was in 2010. Yeah. It could be more now. It could yeah. be up to 600. And in 2010, they figured he'd made $15 million on this single song. Yeah. Well, the question, of and, course, and is... That angers me so much. It envies me, which makes me think about why you and I aren't writing a Christmas song for the ages. I mean, we wouldn't even have to do like a Patreon fundraiser if we were netting 400000 a year. Yeah. I mean, even splitting it, that would be enough for us to live comfortably. I could live very comfortably on the uh, 300000 of the 400000 that I would be getting each year. Great. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this off here. <laughs> All right. Let's go to uh, my next section written down on my piece of paper here. It's why this is great. Okay, so Frank, why don't we start with you? Tell me why you don't like this song. Um, well, you've heard the song, right? Yep. That's why I don't like it. The song is just terrible. It's just, oh, it's just someone just monkeying around on an electronic music machine. Just like I get it. it. It was it was new sort of technology at the time, and but. There's a certain point in the song, and I, and unfortunately, I listened to it once today just to remind myself of how terrible this song is. I think it's in around the, the three-minute mark. There's just this mashup of different people on different instruments, mm-hmm. uh, and it just, like, all this sort of sonic, like, tidal wave of terrible. Well, all those people are named Paul McCartney. Yeah. Paul McCartney's a genius. So that part I like. So I guess this would be the tricky part. What you despise here is what I've come to embrace. I just have a hard time really reconciling this song 
was written by the same man that wrote Yesterday. What Paul McCartney was doing with this song was something brand new. And so what ends up happening with this song is he's testing out synths, testing out these new sounds, anticipating, unbeknownst to the world, what the 80s was bringing. That sort of synth-heavy sound, interesting vocal arrangements, the way the, the echo that's going on with this synth stuff. He's actually basically prophesying the future. I think you're giving the man a little bit too much credit here. Listen, the guy wrote Blackbird and Eleanor Rigby. I don't think we have to worry about uh, underestimating uh, Sir Paul McCartney. Well, just just because you're you're new at it doesn't mean that you're doing it right, though. Just because you're the first one to do it doesn't mean that it's good. Okay, well, all right, next on my list. I did want to mention Chill Wave being a form of music that this anticipated. I took this from a Vice article that I read on why this song is awesome. <laughs> I may have, like my students, taken a lot of notes off the internet and passed them off as my own. Well, that, that, that's, you know, some of the some of the better sort of research writers and everything do their research off of uh, sites like Wikipedia. I know that's where I get most of my uh, sort of uh, insightful knowledge on songs and, and, and singers and whatnot that we, uh, that we talk about here. Okay, fair enough. Next up, now that we've established that the this music is terrible, yeah. Yeah, that the music is fun, that the synths are inventive and interesting, and that he's pushing himself further. He's about to leave Wings. It's, it's, he's done his tenure with them. He's about to release McCartney 2, which, similar to how you're acting towards Wonderful Christmas Time, also got a pretty negative reaction. As the years have gone by, those in the know have recognized it as a genius album. So, um, next point. <laughs> Look at you seething. I put on a Christmas hat even to try to cheer you up here yeah, but the, that look the, on your face a certain the, amount of levity that you're trying to bring to the table is just <laughs> i'm like the grinch right here yeah. I, I think and my heart is not gonna grow yeah this is uh i'm i'm firmly entrenched in in my opinion on this song all right next up let's see this song i think could be seen as either a criticism or embrace i think it's kind of a both of contemporary christmas where people are like oh it feels like it's like a shopping mall song. And I would a, respond by saying it mall is song. a shopping mall song. So the you know, one way to listen to music is to listen to it with a nice pair of headphones. Yeah. Another way of listening to a song like this is to say rent out the local shopping mall, get in the food court all by yourself, and just blast it from those broughten speakers at the top of the Have you ever been shopping in the mall during Christmas time and this song comes on? Frank, I worked in retail. I know all about this Christmas music. You know exactly where I'm going, where I would, if I was at the mall and this song came on while I was shopping, and Christmas shopping in a mall is is a very, very depressing sort of uh, place to find yourself. It's just, it, it, it's supposed to be this joyous time of year, and everyone is just so incredibly stressed out and trying to find the the perfect gift and everything. And, it, and you end up with, like, a lot of the worst in humanity all in one small geographic area. And then this song comes on. I, I'm surprised there hasn't been more riots or acts of violence that come out because of this song. That's Bill's rebuttal. 
Because you can't rebut that Well, you know, it's tough. When you face someone who's chosen hatred over love, war over peace. I've chosen pop sensibility over garbage. Well, I believe this is pop sensibility. I believe, I'm going to go back to my point. This is best listened to in a shopping mall. (laughs) And uh, I'm going to also go back to... um, well, let's pivot a bit here, Frank. All right. What is your favorite lyric? Uh, in your case, what is your least hated part of the song? I told you, 346 when the song ends. <laughs> I am not going to waver from that point. When I drive around and I'm listening to the radio and this song comes on, I immediately change the station. If I change a station to this song, I immediately change it to another station. How much do you like the very beginning of the song when you hear those synth sounds? Very little. On a scale of 1 to 10, I would say it's minus 42. How do you feel knowing that when this episode comes out, I've played the beginning of that synth like eight times by now in the episode? (laughs) (laughs) And every time... Hold up, just just, rocking back and forth here right now. coming back. Knowing that this is... I listen to our episodes just so I can get a feel for it. So, you know, it's, it's research to know how to do better for, for future episodes. I don't think I'm going to be able to listen to this episode. Well, you know, there was a time when I felt that I didn't like this song. And that was the time of your life when you were the most right. <laughs> you know, the last couple of weeks I've been listening to it a lot. And the more I listened to it, the more I enjoyed it. And your, what I your realized... wife. Yeah, actually, she's not hating it. She's just like, oh, yeah, you're listening to the Christmas music. So usually there's a negative vibe when I'm prepping for an episode in the house because I've been listening to the same song. None of that happened. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign. The word is out about the town to lift the glass. Oh, don't look down. Well, I'm going to go back and now talk about... The parts of the song I like. Go ahead. Well, the whole song. So we'll start with, I like the opening synth. Also, I read online someone describing this song. This might help, Frank, because you like your scary movies. Let me bring up the lyrics here. (laughs) This is is good. This is going to be worth it. Is it about the uh, the pagan? Yeah. 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 Did you read that? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was good. Was it the moon is up? The spirit's here? Yeah. This is so the the opening lines. I'm, and now, because I can't find the lyrics yeah. in front of me here, but it shouldn't be too tough. The moon is right. The spirit's up. Uh, we're here tonight and that's enough. That's yeah. So the idea is they he's saying that, but he's with a bunch of druids started some sort of... Um, ritual yeah and then someone shows up in the background and they immediately jump to simply having a wonderful christmas to yeah 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 so you could think of it that way where there's something sinister going on and and every time they sing the chorus it's them trying to distract from whatever sinister thing they're doing the moon is right the spirit's up we're here tonight and that's enough See, I think that is the pro wonderful Christmas time agenda, trying to win over people, giving it this sort of like dark edge to it. Because reading the lyrics, it's like, all right, Paul, just 
sing what you see. Just, yeah, you see a moon. People are out having a wonderful Christmas time. Just keep, it's simplistic and nonsensical. Oh, you make a great point that it is definitely not dark, but it's full of light. That is an excellent point. Uh, so, yeah, not, you're right. I was not meant to yeah, be a I'm positive sorry. on this song. But you know what? That does bring up some things here. And one of them is that this song is all about just enjoying Christmas. So one of the lines here that I really like is parties on, spirits up, we're here tonight, and that's enough. And th- that's what Christmas is about. And so of course there's the, you know, there's a the whole Jesus birthday stuff, of course. But in terms of what people are doing at Christmas time, it's just they're getting together, they're having a good time. And this is what Paul's trying to bring, and he does bring it every year when you're in the food court at the shopping mall. The party's on, the feeling's here, that only comes to time of year, simply having a wonderful Christmas time, simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Do you know what this is? This is a bad Christmas poem written by a, someone in grade four. Okay, well, you know, I'm really trying not to take this personally because this song means so much to me. Uh, I apologize. But- <laughs> this, again, those of you who are listening, this is uh, this is our last episode ever. We um, we're ending 30 years of friendship. Yeah, this Love night, hell, we die on. Okay, let's keep going here, Bill. You can do this. The choir. Ah, my little criticism would be that he they talk about the choir. Yeah. And this is singing the song they've practiced all year. And then they play the song and like, listen, I don't know what kind of choir this is, but one <laughs> is, if you practice that song all year and that's the best you can do, you sound kind of like Linda McCartney. You don't really sound like a kid's choir. Yeah. The choir of children sing their song. They practiced all year long. Uh, that would be my that'd be a, my a rare criticism I'd have, and but but I mean I think he actually knows what he's doing in terms of people's criticism. Say, say they say, oh, it sounds like he just threw this together. But if you listen closely to this, the vocals are overlapping each other. There's a couple vocals going on. There's not just one, mm-hmm. and it sounds like someone's just kind of singing half-heartedly. I wouldn't say half-heartedly, but not putting like the American Idol voice on or whatever. Not putting an effort into the song. Or not putting an effort into a terrible song, yeah. You're right, Frank. It sounds effortless. And that's what we're looking at here. And so some sort of word wizard is turning my words against me. No, I'm just taking your words and bringing them to the light. He's not trying to make a big statement, just like a grade four's poem. You're right. And when grade four is that pure heartedness that a grade four brings to the table, unlike maybe John Lennon's teenage angst. Yeah. Now, John Lennon, Yoko Ono, happy Xmas, war is over. Yes. Yep. I like that song a lot. I give it its own sort of due and credit. But there is also criticism to be made where there is this sort of notion that if you want it, the war could be over. I get it collectively. That's what he wants to do. 
mm-hmm. but he's also sort of like the grouchy uncle who shows up at the Christmas dinner and he sits there and you're like, oh, come on, man. I don't want to talk about this. We don't bring <laughs> politics to the table. But Paul McCartney is the fun uncle who just wants to simply have a wonderful Christmas time. I'm going to counteract that, uh, you know, Paul McCartney being the, the fun uncle and bring up another Christmas song and one that I really like is Carly Rae Jepsen's It's Not Christmas Till Somebody Cries. That would be like the the whole too serious uncle bringing up all sorts of politics at Christmas. Carly Rae sings about that. I'm trying to bring up Carly Rae Jepsen in every single episode from here on out. Yeah, I mean, Carly certainly tries. Let's go back to the guy who made $15 million on this single song. So 15 or 50? 15, 15. Well, it could be more now. It's been 11 years. All right, next, Frank, let's talk about the music video. Did you watch the music video? Unfortunately, yeah. And much like <laughs> this song where he just throws a bunch of musical instruments together and sees what uh, sort of comes out of this garbled mess, the video is the exact same thing. And I'm sorry, you used to be one of the Beatles. Like Financially, you're doing okay. I don't care that it's 1979. That was the cheapest looking garbage video I've ever seen. Well, you know, it's nice. They have the constellations in the sky coming together and forming something. I'm sorry. Paul, get off your wallet and spend a buck on some, like, proper visual effects. Wow. Well, I'm sorry if MTV hadn't come out yet, Frank. We just didn't know where it would go to. But I prefer this much more than his Say, Say, Say video with Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Be careful what you wish for, Frank. (laughs) Uh, I I wasn't a big fan of the video for the fact that Wings is featured in it. Yeah. And those guys aren't on the song. Yeah. And they have all these instruments out when I don't care what it says on Wikipedia. I think it's a synth. Oh, no, it's a multitude of synths. Yeah. And maybe a kick drum and maybe some bells, I think. But I think that's it. There's not others. So they have instruments out there. Like, no, they're not playing those instruments. This isn't like in the Bleak Midwinter or some other sort of song. Actually, that's a bad example. (laughs) That's a great song, by the way. But it's not the song that it seems like he's lip syncing to. It's like, no, this needs to be more on a spaceship in the future because that's where the song is taking us. All right, I think I, I think I'm starting to turn, Frank. All right, Frank, let's um, Yoko Ono versus Linda McCartney. Who's your favorite backing vocalist for an ex Beatle? Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Linda McCartney because okay, score that. Hey, Linda McCartney sings backing vocals on this. Okay, great. Next, how much? Just do you like-, like asking which which is your favorite murderous dictator? Wow, uh, you know, Linda McCartney is a great human being. I can't believe I didn't say she was a murderous dictator. I'm just saying it's comparable. Like, they're both terrible. I, I, again, I just would not compare her to a murderous dictator, but that's fine. Synth, the echo effect. What do you think about that echo effect? I I don't don't even. My mind is shut off when I listen to this song. I don't hear any echo. I have no idea what you're even talking about here. Well, are you this year simply going to have a wonderful Christmas time? I'll have a pleasant Christmas time. Oh, man. All right, let's go to some trivia. (laughs) Do you know that all four Beatles have released Christmas songs? I knew that three of them did. Yep. So I didn't know George Harrison did because he has a song called Ding Dong. 
Okay. I think it's called Ding Dong Ding Dong. Are we sure it's a Christmas song? It is. Okay. And it's but it's about bringing in the new year. Oh, okay. Because he's not a he's not practicing Christian or or any or yeah. nominal at all. He's yeah. actually the most religious of the Beatles. Yeah. But he does one about the new year. But I think it had more to do with quitting the Beatles and also the divorce from his wife. So it oh, has okay. the sort of <laughs> it says a negative effect. And also you've never heard it, have you? No. Because no. they don't play it. Well, yeah. It's not as good. Like you're saying here, it's not as good as simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I did not say okay. that. Sorry, don't. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> Let the listeners decide. And then Ringo Starr actually released an album in the 90s mm-hmm. called I Wish I Was Santa Claus. Yeah, I think I remember it's that. Yeah. Really well, good. Yeah. yeah, I like it. It's really good because Ringo's fun. So he's. Well, the, Ringo's fun. Yeah. Ringo's the most fun uncle. Yeah. Then Paul McCartney. Because he's the richest, and he just wants to have a wonderful Christmas time. He's going to bring you gifts. John Lennon is not bringing you gifts. He's going to bring. Well, you he a... can't anymore. I mean, he's. <laughs> oh, where do I go with that, Frank? Positivity. Try that one more time. <laughs> All right. All right. I lost my lost myself here. All right. Uh. Uh. Okay. George Harrison. I don't know. He might not even show up for Christmas dinner. No, he can't. So. All right, so uh, in conclusion... In conclusion. In conclusion, there's a great song that Paul McCartney wrote called Silly Love Songs. <laughs> I thought you were going to just name this song again. No, the Silly Love Songs <laughs> is a great song, and it's basically saying exactly what the title is, is that people criticize him for writing Silly Love Songs, yeah. but he thinks that they're needed in the world. And I would also argue we also need in this world... Simply a wonderful Christmas time. And I, I want to thank Paul McCartney for uh, bringing this into our lives. And if I may speak for Frank, we would like to thank you, Paul McCartney. I, uh, I do not endorse that statement in any way, shape, or form. And I would like to apologize to our listeners because we've played sections of this song, and now this song is going to be stuck in your head. That's one of the most unfortunate things about this song is it's an earworm, and it does not leave your head. It's like a really bad hangover headache that just does not go away for the entire day. This this is unfortunately going to be stuck in your heads now for I don't know how long. I really hope you can expunge it with something half-decent. Let me throw this out there. You're saying, why is this song in my head? I want to get it out of my head. It's because your head likes the song. It's time that you connect your heart to your head. We at Guilt Free Pleasures hope you simply have a wonderful Christmas time. <laughs>